Welcome to Revival is Here Again with Apostle Goodhart. God is about to speak directly to you as this message is guaranteed to impact your life. As you listen today, expect that God's Word has been sent in your direction to bring about revival, healing, restoration, and transformation. With faith in your heart and great expectation, join me to receive God's Word through His choice vessel, Apostle Goodheart O. Equeme. Proverbs 9, 10, Amplify Classic. Let's read together as family. One, two, three, go. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning, the chief and choice path of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight and understanding. Once again, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning, the chief and choice part of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight and understanding. For the Simon this morning, the fear of the Lord, ultimate key to intimacy with God, part number three. Our Father and our God, we thank you again and again for the awesome privilege to gather again under this open heavens. I beseech you, my Father, to take a coal of fire from the altar of heaven, place upon my lips and my tongues of clay, that once again I will come to these, your precious sheep, with a word from the throne of grace. Help me to go beyond my study, my contemplation and memory, and to speak your very counsel. Move every man, boy, girl in this room, and the multitudes logged on across the nation from where we are to the place called destiny. We vow us always to give you alone the praise, the glory and the honor. In Jesus' wondrous name we pray. Somebody shout a big amen. Please be seated comfortably in God's wonderful presence. Thank you. We've been on an ongoing series with this title, The Fear of the Lord, Ultimate Key to Intimacy with God. But this morning, I want to remind us of a few things before we go further in our discourse in this great thought and great theme that deals with the fear of the Lord. I want to remind you that one of our 10 core values in this great house is emphasis of the reverential fear of God. Emphasis of the reverential fear of God. It is a very, very important key for anyone who will succeed, not just survive, but excel here on earth as a believer and certainly uh, cross over into eternity and live well in God. The Bible declares in Isaiah 6 verse 2, for all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, said the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and he that trembleth at my word. So there is one that is contrite, the Bible says, and there's one that trembleth at the word of the Lord. It is the one that the Lord will consider and look at. The psalmist David says in Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite spirit, O God, thou will not despise. There is something about a broken spirit or a contrite heart that draws the attention of God, that gains the attraction of God. That means God is attracted to certain kinds of people. 
And one of the qualities that will draw the attraction and the attention of God is to have a broken heart, a contrite spirit. Speaking of humility. Now, some of the things we saw in the past few days, number one, we saw that every individual is a determining factor rather than God as to how close you can come to God in terms of intimacy. Take note, take note. Every individual is the primary determining factor as to how closely and how intimately he or she can walk with God. Because God, for all intent, has given to all an open-ended invitation. Hebrews 4.16, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, find grace and help in the time of need. James 4, 8 says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Very important, very important. Everybody determines how far he or she can go with God. Now in Genesis 13, God spoke to Abraham after Lot had been removed from him. Look northward, southward, eastward, westward. And said, as far as you can see, I give unto you. So it's up to you to determine how close you can walk with God. Number two thing we saw, God deals and relates with each human being on different levels of intimacy based on where they are. Number two point, God deals and relates with each human being on the earth differently at different levels of intimacy based on where they are. There are two categories I'll mention now. One, the goat and the sheep. Simply means those who are not born again and those who are born again. Now, God relates to those who are not born again in particular ways. He's merciful. He's kind. He causes the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. But he relates with his children a whole lot differently from his own or those who are not born again. Now, hear this. There is also a difference between how God relates with different members of the body of Christ and that it is based on their degree of their walk of intimacy with God. No statement. God is a God of all because God is the creator of all. Please write that if you will. God is a God of all because God is the creator of all but God is a father to only those who have given their lives to Christ and have accepted him to be Lord and Savior. But also, God is a friend to only a number of people who have walked with him to heights of intimacy. So you may say three levels. Number one, God is a God to all. He's a creator. God is a father to his children if you're born again. God is a friend to some. I know we typically will sing that song, but I am a friend of God. And it can be a cliche. But the truth is, it's easier said than done to be a friend of God. Bible declares in Proverbs 18, 24, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. Hear this. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I thought if you're my brother, automatically you will be closer to me than a friend. Not so. Because in the Bible, that word friend or friendship is a covenantal word. A whole lot different from how we use the word friends or friendship in our modern age. We use it very loosely. 
we call our acquaintance friends. I can call the whole church my friend, but it's not possible for you all to be my friend. I'm your pastor. I pastor everybody. But the truth is, I'm not sure I can say that you are my friend. And I'll tell you why. The word friend is a very deep covenantal word. Hear what Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 15. Henceforth, I, I call you not servants. Words of Christ to his disciples. Henceforth, I call you not servants. So it came upon in time where it was master servant. But, but, but something changed. Intimacy began to rest in their walk with each other. And he says, for, uh, yeah, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. Uh, yeah. But I have called you friends, uh, yeah, not as brothers, not as sons, I've called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Saints, it is true, it is true, believe it or not, there are a category of people on the earth of people who are simply friends of God. Praise God, somebody. Friends of God. And I pray that by the grace of God, we all will strive and labor to earn that place where God can call you and I his friend. Somebody shout a big amen. It is a tremendous honor to be called a friend of anybody. How much more? The friend of God. You know, a friend is one who you can be vulnerable to. You can be naked before and not be ashamed. You know, it's possible for you to be a lover to somebody, your spouse, but you may not be friends. And the danger is, if you're not friends to your lover, it's going to be very risky because somebody outside who may be your friend may be the first to know certain things about your life. Yeah, and this is how people get in trouble in their offices. Yeah, uh, that lady, that guy who you talk and talk, you know, you just talk freely. There's, some, there's a flow of chemistry. You're, you're so free with somebody who is not your spouse than your spouse. Those are telltale signs of danger. Praise the Lord, somebody. But the point is, God wants us to grow in our walk of intimacy where we can earn the badge, the title of being the friends of God. Listen to what it means to be a friend of God. In Psalm 25 verse 14, hear this. The secret of the Lord, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Ayah. So God has secrets. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he does. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, Ah, the secret things belong to God. And the things that are revealed, they belong to us and our children so that we may do them. So at one level, secret things belong to God, but when it's revealed to us, we are empowered to have them and then to do them. Praise God. And we see here that the secret of the Lord is with them, not everybody, with them that want, that fear him. So therefore, this key of reverential fear is one strong key to grow in intimacy with God. Track with me, we're going somewhere. Look at the NLT, he says, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. Hear this, hear this, hear this. He teaches them his covenant. Oh yeah. So the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. And we saw in KJV that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. So therefore, 
Juxtaposing those verses of the scriptures, we can say that those who are friends of God also have access to the secrets of God. Is that correct? It is correct. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord, somebody. Give me three hallelujahs. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amos 3 verse 7 says, NLT, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. He doesn't do anything until he reveals, reveal, that word again, reveal, make known, apocalypse, uncover. He reveals his plans to his servants, his prophets, who are, as it were, his friends. Number three point, please note, of what we studied at four time, uh, we saw examples of biblical men in the scripture who walk intimately with God. And you see, in my course of growing up, I learned that, that solving examples is one key way to understand how to solve mathematical problems. Learning examples equips you to solve mathematical problems. Likewise, in the scripture, God affords us many examples that we can emulate and learn from. And by learning from them, we learn how to solve life problems and life challenges. The Bible declares in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6, now these things were our examples. Ah yeah, So there are things documented in scripture that were written for our example. KJV says for our example. They were our examples to the intent. Ah yeah. For this purpose, we shall not lost after evil things like they did. Hallelujah. As they also lost it. In other words, they messed up. And it's written for you to know how they messed up so that you will not mess up. Praise God. It said that, that experience is the best teacher. Not quite so. Experience is a good teacher. Listen, but, but the better teacher is for me to learn from your experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you fell here, I want to know that if I come here, I will fall. So I will not go there. Praise God. Uh, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. So somebody's experience ought to be your own teacher. So you don't go through what they went through. So examples are written scripture for us to learn, for our learning. First Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now all these things happen unto them for examples. That's KJV English now. And they were written for our admonition, for our learning, upon whom the end of the world are come. In other words, those who are living in the last days ought to go to scriptures and begin to learn. Learn from Adam, learn from Abraham, learn from all of the people documented in scripture, good and bad. Praise the Lord. You see, you learn from your boss or your leader in two ways. You learn what to do right and you learn what not to do. Praise the Lord. Either way, be a student of life. Hallelujah. All right. So we saw a few people in scriptures that walk with God intimately and earn the badge of the title of being the friends of God. We saw Enoch. We saw Abraham. We saw Moses. We saw David. We saw Paul. These men and women in some way or the other grew in their walk with God and intimacy where they became the friends of God. Hallelujah. And we saw also for these men, these patriarchs, there was a price tag they were willing to pay to become friends of God. It didn't come cheap. 
while salvation is free, it's not quite cheap. So there were things they did to engage to become friends of God. We won't rehash that all over again. But I want to mention that there are three things I find to be common denominators amongst these men and women, by the way, that grew in friendship in their walk with God. Number one, they walked in the reverential fear of God. Number two, they walked in brokenness. We saw earlier that the man who is of a contrite heart, a broken spirit would draw the attention of God. Hallelujah. They walked in brokenness. Number three, they were a people of great faith. So number one, they walked in the reverential fear of God. Number two, they were a people of brokenness. They were humble. They were tender of heart. Number three, they were people of great faith. You can't please God except you walk by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Number four point we saw, we saw that the reverential fear of God, clearly enough, is the ultimate key to intimacy with God. But the question is, what exactly is the reverential fear of God? Number one, I, I've learned also, one way to learn how, what something is, is to learn what is not. Oh yeah, oh yeah. If it's not that, it must be that. So there's something the reverential fear of God is not. There are possibly four kinds of fear outside what we're dealing with in our subject here. Number one kind of fear called the natural fear. Natural fear, fear of cats, rats, bats, mountains, mosquitoes, cockroaches, rodents, you know, just afraid, just afraid. It's a natural fear. It comes natural with you. Number two kind of fear is a demonic fear. It's not just natural because I'm, a, I'm scared of dogs. No, no. This one is demonic. It is satanically inspired and legislated. The Bible declares in 1 Timothy 1.17, the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 actually. The Lord has not given us the spirit of fear. So fear is a spirit. That's the point there. Fear is a spirit. But what he gave us? Power, number one. Two, love. Number three, sound mind. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, somebody. So fear can be demonic. It can be satanically inspired. Number three kind of fear is religious fear. Ah, uh, uh, the fear that is hypocritical, not quite genuine. We see in Isaiah 29, 13, uh, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me, with their mouth, all right, it's lip service now, and with their lips, they honor me. See, hypocritical, yeah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Man of God, I hail you, you know, but have removed their heart from me. Their heart <laughs> is not connected to what their mouth is saying. It's hypocritical. And their fear toward me is taught by the priesthood of men. So they're, 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 they're showing fear to me in the way that they, they pretend towards men. Praise God. The fourth kind of fear we must be weary of is the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25. It reads thus, the fear of man brings a snare. That word snare means a trap. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. So when you trust the Lord, there is safety in trusting God. But when you fear man, is a trap. So we must be wary of becoming afraid of men. All right. We shouldn't be afraid of that. We should honor men, but not be afraid of men. Now, what is the fear of the law? Well, a few synonyms or words that will help us to begin to understand better or to some extent what the fear of the Lord is, is sort of words like awe, reverence, respect, worship, 
submission, submissiveness. Those are words that hopefully will evoke a true meaning of what the reverential fear of God is. John Bever, one of my great teachers in his book, The Fear of the Lord, begins to uh, attempt to define what the fear of the law is. He says, the fear of the Lord, amongst many things, is a profound and abiding respect for God and all things he declares holy. Ayah, ayah. And there is a profound and abiding respect for God and all things he declares holy. Number two says, the fear of the Lord is to assign to God most high, the infinite and the highest place in our life. Assigned to God most high. The infinite is the numero uno. It's the number one in your life. When God speaks, nothing matters other than God's word. His final authority in our lives. We show we fear him. His word is his bond and we honor his word. Number three, it means to deeply tremble in awe at the privilege of having access to his presence. To deeply tremble at the awe of having access to his presence. It is also that the fear of the Lord is to worship God with passionate praise. It's a dimension of fear that means to worship God with passionate praise. It says also that the fear of the Lord is to love what God loves, to hate what God hates, and also to honor in turn what God honors. To honor what he honors, love what he loves, hate what he hates. It was said concerning Jesus Christ in Hebrews. He said he has loved righteousness. Not just that. He hated iniquity. Therefore his God has exalted him far above his fellows. So it's one thing to love righteousness. is the other to hate iniquity. Is this case of the fear of the Lord. To love what he loves, hate what he hates, and to honor what he honors. What is the fear of the Lord? It is an internal disposition, internal, that produces dread, fear, and even terror sometimes at the mere thought of offending God casually. An internal disposition that produces dread, fear, and even terror sometimes at the mere thought of offending God casually. Casually. He says, the fear of the Lord is to believe God and to believe God is to act upon God's word or to obey him. It says again, that holy fear gives God the place of glory, honor, reverence, thanksgiving, praise, preeminence that he deserves. Saints, as we further on this morning, I want to mention to you very, very passionately uh, yeah, that we live in a day and an age where the present day church stands at a very challenging place because of what Satan has been able to do in the so-called modern day church. Perhaps the extreme teaching of some dimension of grace that tends to give the impression that we can live anyhow 
and have the protection and the coverage of grace. Uh, yeah. As such, um, the modern day Christian can have this notion that God is so laxed or relaxed as to how far he can let us carry on in our own ways, sometimes even willingly and by volition. Not a case of rising and falling, but a case of falling and remaining fallen because you know it's something you've chosen to do. And it's this notion that, oh well, God is merciful, God will forgive me. You see, the danger with that is that that kind of attitude borders on dishonor and disrespect and disregard to God. Are you here? Are you here? In Nigerian parlance, we call it see finish. And what see finish simply means is to become so familiar with somebody or something that you begin to disregard, dishonor, and disrespect the person. See finish. To become so familiar, the key word is familiar. You may call it over familiarity. Mm. And whether you like it or not, in our contemporary age, we stand the great temptation. Perhaps more than many years ago, some of us got born again quite a few days ago, three decades. Yeah. In those years, there was a relative natural awe, reverence of God. Not that it's gone away now, but I think uh, with advent of modernization and some kind of teachings, um, it looks like people have just placed God in a place where they can live anywhere, anyhow, comfortably and assume there'll be no consequences. Are you here? Are you here? Oh, come on. So that were you to walk into Asorok today, There'll be protocols you need to undergo to see the president because there's a way you conduct yourself before the president. It's more than likely you may not go with your phone. More than likely. More than likely, wouldn't you go before the president? More than likely. More than likely, you would dress appropriately. More than likely. There are certain ethics and conduct that are befitting the king or the president. But we honor men in that regard. But when it comes to God, we don't as much give him that kind of reverence and honor. Do, do, do you think if the president were speaking to you today that you could comfortably be fidgeting on your phone? Like, send, share, pam, 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 pam. You, know. you see, these things are given for our own well-being in our day and our age. They add to our life in our generation. But do you know that some of these gadgets, as a matter of fact, uh, they can as much distract us. In fact, let me say it this way. One of, please don't forget this statement ever. One of Satan's choicest weapon in the modern day and age we live in. Don't forget this ever in your life. Listen, it's not sickness or disease. No, 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 no. It is called distraction. As simple as that is, it's profound. Because the moment a man is distracted, you can't receive the word. The moment you're distracted, you can't hear God. The moment you're distracted, you can't worship effectively. So, distraction 
seems to be the mother of all attacks. And that was the undoing of Martha in Luke 10, 38 to 42. She was busy. She was encumbered with much seven. What looks good and wonderful is a place for service. The only thing was that at that point in time, when the word was in session, ay, 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 when the word was being declared, what should be done is sit at the feet of the master and receive the word. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now hear this. Our God is a balanced God. Is a balanced God. Please listen. I could shout and jump, excite you, but I want to be very deliberate. Because if we're going to enjoy real revival, cannabis, in our day and our age, we need to begin to imbibe a culture that shows we genuinely revere and honor God. Aye. Otherwise, he won't come. If he comes and meets irreverence, the consequence is judgment. So he's not coming. He's giving the church time to get ready for his coming. There must be a preparation before he comes. That is the assignment of John the Baptist. And I'm not the one. I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way. That way is not just a road. The way is your heart. What happens in your heart? There are mountains in your heart. What are they? There are mountains of pride. Right now as I'm preaching, somebody said, what is he saying? Look at it. I, I can hear it. I can see it. That's a mountain of pride. Because your pride is being bruised. And you're shaking inside. Yeah. So before the Lord will come, mountains need to be subdued. Likewise, there are valleys that need to be filled. What are valleys? Insecurity, fear, worry, panic, things not of God. That makes you feel less than you are in Christ. So valleys are filled, mountains are leveled, and rough pathways are made smooth. Guess what? He's coming! He's coming. So if you find yourself in a church like this by the mercy of the Lord, where you're hearing messages that help you to constantly prepare, you're in a good place because he's coming. We can't stop his coming. The point is we need to commit to getting ready for his coming because he's coming. The glory world is coming. When I speak of coming, I don't only refer to the second coming of Christ. I do. But I'm also referring to the glory coming. Praise God. There will be a people on the earth before his second coming who walk with him to the point where they literally carry the glory of the Lord. And I trust the Lord. I believe God that this company will be a part of that army on the rise. Somebody shout up big amen. amen. You are too close to quit. Hallelujah. Hear this beloved. Romans eleven twenty two. Behold, therefore, listen out for two words. The goodness, say with me, goodness. goodness. Oh, come on, church, say with me, what goodness? goodness. And the severity. Severity. Come on, severity. severity. Of who? Oh. What? So God has goodness, huh? piles, and he has severity. Who is that? God. Balance God. On them which fell, severity, but toward thee, thankfully, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Wow. So, judgment 
and the mercy oh yeah, are both parts of the justice system of God. Goodness and severity. Mm. Apostle Peter in Acts 17, 30 to 31, made this statement. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at. So there's a time of ignorance. God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to what? To repent. So repentance is a blessing and it's a commandment. Because he hath appointed a day, my God, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. You know, Pastor Princely was teaching in the morning glory. He referred to a scripture that is quite powerful. For a long time, this, I was here and it just, just to capture this is just deep. It's found in Hebrews 5, 7. How it is that even Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, expressed reverence for his heavenly father. Hiya. Look at this in Amplified Classic, Hebrews 5, 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions for that which he not only wanted but needed and supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him out from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Reverence toward God. Yeah. Hear this. His godly fear. His piety. In that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. Saints, we ought to pray in his reverence of fear. We ought to ask the Lord to teach us his fear and then pray in his fear. You know why? The fear of the Lord is foundational and fundamental for the well-being of believers in time and in eternity. It's a safety valve. Once a man begins to lose the fear of God, ayah, ayah, begins to lose the fear of God, is free fall. You, God forbid, not you, but God forbid, such a person will find himself doing things and saying things a year ago could never believe he or she could because the fear of God has gone. This can happen to anybody who doesn't take time to prayerfully seek to imbibe the fear of the Lord. And number one, it can be taught, should be taught, which it is now, but it should be prayed into. But number three, you can exercise yourself in it. You can train yourself in it with your mind and your thought. You just imagine that God is with you, 247. And the question is, if God is with me now here, are there checks I will sign now? I wouldn't sign if I know he's here. If I know he's here. If I know he's here, is there a way I will conduct myself with the opposite sex if I really know he's here? 
Is there a way I'll deal with somebody in business if I know he's here? Just that renewed what? Consciousness of his presence that leads to growing in reverential fear. Praise the Lord somebody. Praise the Lord somebody. Glory to God. Isaiah 33, 5 to 6 talks about the fear of the Lord being foundation to our walk with God. I read the NLT. Though the Lord is very great and lives in heaven, he will make Jerusalem his home of justice and righteousness. In that day, he will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation. Three things, wisdom and knowledge. So rich store of salvation, wisdom and knowledge. Salvation, wisdom and knowledge. Salvation, wisdom and knowledge. These three things are found in the store of the reverential fear of God. Salvation is there. Wisdom is there. Because the fear of the Lord is the being of wisdom. Knowledge is there. Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord being of wisdom, being of knowledge. So, salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Want to very quickly, because of time, look at some of the blessings and the benefits of walking in the reverential fear of God. Well, we know the benefits of something, the blessings of something, we're inspired to pursue it. Number one, very quickly, the fear of the Lord supplies God's provision. You want to write down Psalm 34 verse 9. Very quickly, I read through them. The fear of the Lord supplies God's provision. Psalm 34 verse 9 says, Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints. Hallelujah. For there is no want to them, what? That fear him. Say supply because of your reverence of fear. Number two, blessing or benefit. There are many in the scriptures. Just because of time, look at a few of them. The reverent fear of the Lord promises us protection and defense. It keeps us protected. Psalm 115 verse 11. You that fear the Lord, ayah, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Wow. He is their help and is their shield. A man who walks in the reverent fear of the Lord also walks in divine protection. Ayah, your shield. Number three, blessing of walking in the fear of the Lord. Ah, yeah, yeah. I want to beseech you, if you know that you've begun to lack that fear in the course of life's journey, activities, and how you've conducted yourself, it's time to cry out for help. Oh, Lord, teach me your reverent fear. It will jerk you back from somewhere to where you ought to be. Number three, the reverent fear of the Lord contains great mercy. Great mercy. We love that word mercy. Psalm 103 verse 11. Great mercy. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great ayah, is his mercy toward them that fear him. Somebody shout mercy toward them that fear him. Hallelujah. Number four, 
The reverent fear of the Lord leads to riches. That is true. To honor. It is true. And to life. All there. One package. is true. To riches. To honor and life. Proverbs 22 verse number 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are what? Riches and honor and life all contained in the fear of the Lord. Amazing package. Number five, the fear of the Lord provides clarity and direction. Clarity and direction. Psalm 25 verse 12. These are dividends of walking in the fear of the Lord. What man is he that fear the Lord? Hear this. Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. So we're, we're positioned to receive the teaching of the Lord as we walk in his fear. Number six, the fear of the Lord will inevitably keep us on the pathway of life. The path of life. Keep us on the path of life. Jeremiah 32 verse 14. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Thank you, Lord. That I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts and they shall not depart from me. Hear this. I will put their fear. It's a blessing. He will put, yes, ma'am. He will put his fear in us and we will not depart from him. But guess what? What we'll depart from is from iniquity. Proverbs 16 verse 7 says, uh, so by mercy, is our sins purged but by the fear of the Lord men depart from iniquity so the fear of the Lord helps you stick to God all the way to endure but it helps you depart from iniquity so much have the fear of the Lord praise God number seven we're almost there I'll rise up and pray the fear of the Lord provides peace of mind that's shalom nothing missing broken lacking or wanting Proverbs 15 16 I love this one Better is little with the fear of the Lord as peace than great treasures and trouble therewith. You know, you can have money and have trouble. Yeah. You can have little and have peace. Yeah. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, that a man's life does not consist, not measured by the abundance of what he has. So you can have little. Little with God makes a world of difference. It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Hallelujah. That's why you find people who seemingly are richer than you based on substance, materiality, will look at how joyful you are, how peaceful you are. You sleep and wake up. I want this thing, man, but money can't buy it. Praise God. Peace can't be bought with money. Shalom can't be bought with money. Nothing missing, broken like a, like a want. It says fear is one thing that brings us into the shalom of God. Number eight, very quickly, fulfills our desires and delivers us from harm. Psalm 145 verse 19. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. Hear that now? He also will hear their cry and will save them. Say amen. Say amen. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Thank you Lord Jesus. Verse number 9. It secures God's continual attention. We said that earlier. You draw the attention of God continually when you fear him. Psalm 33 verse 18. Psalm 33 verse 18. Behold, 
The eyes of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Glory to God. Upon them that hope in his mercy. Finally, number 10, we'll stop here. It promises to us angelic protection. Angelic protection. Hallelujah. Are they not ministering spirits? Send forth to minister for them, to them that are called heirs of salvation. Psalm 34 verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. Glory to God. And delivereth them. Let's say that together. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. And delivereth them. Make it personal now. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about me because I fear him and he delivers me. Once again, the angel of the Lord encamps round about me because I fear him and he delivers me. Rise on your feet for one minute and thank the Lord. Rise on your feet and bless the Lord. Go ahead. Can you thank God for the honor to reverse this majestic God? The God of all heavens. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, the Father of all spirits. The one before four and twenty elders bow before. The one before the four living creatures. They cast their crown, they proscenure, crying, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth is filled with your glory. The Bible says round about him is a company of innumerable angels. Can you lift your voice and yada? Zama, Tehila, Barak. Just bless this God in your own words. Lord, I love you. My God, open your mouth, Rodak. It's your moment to worship His Majesty. Oh God, cast your crown of nobility, your crown of degree and pedigree, your crown of success, achievement, accomplishment, laid at the feet of this. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your hands. Can somebody bless? Can Somebody worship. You have one more minute. Don't let the angels out sing you. Don't let the birds out sing you. Don't let the trees out clap you. Don't let the storms, the billows, the tempest out roll you. Can somebody worship my God? What an honor. What a privilege to worship. To worship. To worship. To worship. We are indebted to worship him. The Father of all spirits, Lord, we honor you. 
In the name of Jesus, the journey to true reverential fear begins by turning our hearts to Jesus. Anybody who's not born again this morning, just lift your right hand wherever you are. Let an usher see you and put a card in your hand as we pray together. You're turning your heart to the Lord. Or you're saying, I'm recommitting my life to Jesus today. Hands up, ushers in their hands, put cards in their hands. But I want all of us. Yeah, see that hand over there? Ushers, just put cards in their hands. I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Our way of consecration. Ayah. You can't hear this word and not make a commitment. No, no. Let's pray together. Declare with me in faith. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Louder. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I come to you. I come to you. Just as I am. Just as I am. I open my heart. I open my heart. Before you this day. Before you this day. I embrace Jesus. I embrace as my Lord, as my Lord, and my Savior, and my Savior. Lamb of Glory, Lamb of forgive, Lord, me forgive me all of my sins. Of my sins. In, any way, in any way, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against in, you. Word, in word, in thought, in, thoughts, in, deed, in deed, forgive me. Forgive me. I come under, I come under the, cleansing the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Of blood of Father, Jesus. Forgive me. Father, forgive me. In any way. Anyway, I've not honored you. I've not, not reverenced you. Today I ask, for grace. I ask for grace. Oh, to come upon me. Oh, to come upon Begin me. to walk in a new dimension a new of, reverence of reverence and honor, and honor when, it you. when it comes to you. Thank you, Jesus, Thank you, Jesus that my life will never, will never, 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 never be, the be the same after this encounter. After this encounter. I, give you praise. I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you glory. We believe that you have been tremendously blessed by the ministry of Apostle Goodhart Obi Ekweme. It is our conviction that this message has begun a mighty work in your life, and we pray that the grace for prompt obedience to the Word of God will rest upon you. We look forward to hear and celebrate your testimonies with great expectations.